Baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. <laughs> Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program is moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor YouTube Live slash podcast. Um, we are going to start putting this up on our iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're not watching this live, now you will be able to listen to it later on. Not just watching it on YouTube or listening on YouTube. You can get it on any one of the platforms uh, from here on out. We will have this up. Uh, probably sometime tomorrow, uh, which will be a Thursday, uh, and we will go from there. But it is, this is the OU Insider Under the Visor YouTube Live slash podcast. I'm here with Parker Thune, Spencer Forsythe. My name is Brandon Drum. Uh, Parker, spring football. We're going to talk a lot about that. We got Michael Hawkins, his announcement coming up. Obviously, Aaron Flowers' announcement coming up the day before that. We have the big C4, seven on seven, where lots of Oklahoma targets will be participating down there in that event as well. Uh, and there's more visits coming up. Sammy Brown, five-star linebackers on campus as we speak. And we're going to get to the questions for those that are in the live chat. So this is a busy, busy, busy podcast slash YouTube live. Uh, Parker, man. How you doing? I know you're up in Nebraska, right? That's correct. I'm more comfortable than usual on this Wednesday night. Uh, I'm in the easy chair back at my parents' house in Omaha, but uh, it is a lot less picturesque in terms of my typical setup and everything that I have configured in my home studio. But yes, I'm up in Nebraska. I went out to see Isaiah McMorris this morning because how could I go up to the state of Nebraska and not check in on the one OU target from this state. So uh, headed out to Bellevue West this morning, touched base with him. Uh, those USC and Penn State visits are still on the schedule, although he has moved the Penn State visit up. OU's very much in the driver's seat there. 
That is the update from the Cornhusker State. And I will be getting up at four o'clock tomorrow morning to drive back to Oklahoma. And it's business as usual from there. <laughs> so aren't you doing like a Easter, like a, you're doing the yes. church, playing for the church? Awesome. Yes, Easter, Easter week, because, because my dad is a pastor and because I grew up in a, uh, not just a church going family, but a, uh, a pastor's, I, I grew up a pastor's kid. So naturally Easter is a big week in our family. I love Easter. It's my favorite holiday. And so I yeah. am very involved this year with the uh, planning and coordination of the Easter service back home. So that is what's Fantastic. taken me up to Omaha right now. I'll be back in Oklahoma briefly, going to be down to Dallas on Saturday for Michael Hawkins commitment. And then I will be back up here for <laughs> Sunday. So a lot Fantastic. of driving, a lot of driving. this week. No doubt. All right. Well, let's get into some spring ball. We got to talk to Brent Venables today and he was, it was interesting. Um, he was very informative. I'm, I think that's first and foremost, and we're going to have the uh, YouTube video, the interview up on our YouTube page here in just a bit. Uh, but while that's loading and while you're listening to this via podcast or watching it on YouTube, uh, I thought Parker, it was really interesting because he was really open to a lot of different things, particularly injuries, um, particularly uh, the young guys that are doing really well. And I mean, I'm telling you that guy, he was asked a question by Eric Bailey of the Tulsa world. How is the young guys doing? How are the young guys doing in during spring ball? And, you know, he always makes the joke, well, mama, I don't want to upset any mothers, so I'm going to have to go through. I don't want to leave anybody out and, you know, all that type of stuff. He broke down every position, and it seemed like he went through all 85 players. And he didn't, but that's what it felt like listening to that. And it was interesting because a lot of what we talked about, I know you, Insider Parker, is what he's touched on. He's touched on Austin Stogner just being really dynamic this spring he touched on obviously uh both quarterbacks and when he says when you say both quarterbacks it's what everybody comes comes to mind for everybody and that is obviously dylan gabriel jackson arnold now bevel's doing well uh i almost said booty's doing well but general booty's doing well So it's just as a bad, that's just been bad phrasing. If I would have said booty's doing great. Um, but, well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, he touched on that. He was really, really complimentary of Caleb Hicks and Gavin Salchuk. I mean, super complimentary of both of those guys. Uh, he touched on the tackle positions was really complimentary of Savion bird, uh, Andrew Rame. Uh, Jake Taylor, uh, Guyton, uh, man, I mean, he, he went through, uh, obviously even Aaron Parks who'd been out, he's, but he said he's put together, stacked a couple of good practices together when healthy and not in concussion protocol, uh, talked about a lot of the young guys, uh, in the secondary Peyton Bowen. I mean, he went on about Peyton Bowen and just his ability to play multiple positions, and just his mental capacity to pick up everything really quickly, even after missing, because, you know, have just the awful situation that happened with his sister. 
Um, it's just not, it was just awful, but he came, he came, he's come back and he's been just, just on it. Uh, Gentry Williams came back just like we had talked about on OU Insider VIP. If you're on that, we talked about it. He was coming back and doing indie drills or starting to do them this week. And Venable said, look, first practice this week, he was very short in what we allowed him to do in indie drills. Today, he did a lot more because they're clearing him for a lot more. So um, I just – obviously, Billy Bowman's been really strong. He talked about Jaron Kanick. He talked about Desamacola, Justin Harrington. Uh, Woody Washington, just I, you can tell there's a confidence. Uh, he was really complimentary of the Davon Sears. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Bothroyd, Downs, Laulu, like the names that we've been talking about in our insider notes on OU Insider. Lo and behold, guess what? The head coach is bringing those guys up as well. So our sources are kind of on the same page as the head coach, ironically. Uh, but yeah, it was, I thought it was a really, really informative meeting. I know you didn't get to see it or you probably haven't seen it yet. Have you? No, I have not. Uh, I have not seen Venable's presser yet, but obviously I think the big news that he disclosed, uh, that kind of made the rounds on social media was that Robert Spears Jennings underwent surgery for that shoulder ailment, which is another thing that we talked about, uh, on the VIP side, but Brent publicly, acknowledge that that you know rsj is dealing with some things and i think uh, you know some some physical rehabilitation ahead for him but i think that's kind of been the overarching theme of the last week or so in particular of spring ball for oklahoma there's just a lot of guys banged up right now and no there is a lot of younger guys that are benefiting from that by default because they get more reps in the absence of guys like uh, not only Walter Rouse and Jacob Sexton, who had pre-existing injuries, not only Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn, who had pre-existing injuries, but guys like Jaden Davis having to sit out and Kenai Walker having to sit out and guys like Ethan Downs being limited. And so there have been a bunch of younger guys that have been pushed into more reps and reps with the first and second team that maybe they weren't counting on heading into spring ball, but it seems that these guys have all risen to the occasion and haven't been in over their heads. I haven't seen that suggested or heard that suggested in talking with um, sources in and around the program mm-hmm. in reference to this freshman class. Really, without exception, these freshmen have all been impressive from the get-go. And some guys you hear more subdued praise for, you know, Phil Pachati, Derek LeBlanc. They've been good, but I tell you what, if – if there are a couple guys that folks are just going gaga over uh, behind closed doors, I think you got to start that conversation with Josiah Wagner, uh, yeah. who's maybe been the most pleasant surprise. Uh, he talked about him, yeah. Spring practice yeah. for Oklahoma. Uh, Josiah Wagner has been <laughs> some of the stuff. Some of the stuff I've heard said about Josiah Wagner, it's kind of hard to figure. He doesn't work his way into a role this fall if he keeps this up and that's always the toughest thing for any freshman right not only playing well in spring but being able to sustain that momentum uh, throughout the summer going into fall camp and being able to play with the same fire and play with the same competitive juice in august that you were playing with in april while also continuing to learn the playbook and learn your role in the defense so 
a lot of reason for excitement with guys like Josiah Wagoner and Macari Vickers and certainly PJ Adabare and Peyton Bowen. Uh, but at this point, I think with those freshmen especially, it the focus now turns to uh, what can you do in the spring game? What can you do when there are 60,000 fans in the stadium? You'd figure it'd be a pretty well-attended spring game again. And not only that, but how can you build on what you've done this spring, carry it over into summer and on into the fall, once camp opens once again in August, and all of a sudden uh, you're actively competing for a spot on the depth chart, not just competing, but competing for something. Right. No, I, I think overall there's a lot of competition at a lot of different positions. Um <laughs> Ironically, Jacoby Johnson just texted me. He was actually there today uh, when we were doing the interviews. Jacoby Johnson was watching the practice and was there afterwards just kind of mingling with the players and talking to them. Um, but, yeah, no, it, that whole situation, as far as the competition goes, uh, secondary-wise, even, you know, linebacker, I think Kobe McKenzie – is going to give Jaron Canick all he can handle and more for that spot. Like I was told that that was the case and that they're splitting reps with the ones right now. And it, I don't know how to take that to be honest. Cause I think Kobe's a really, really good player, but there's this been this hype around Jaron Canick for so long. Is it, I, I, don't, I don't really know what I'm trying to get at here other than it shocked me when I was told, like, look, Jaron Canning's not guaranteed to be the starter. Uh, it's just, I don't know. Does that shock you a little bit? And, and it doesn't shock me. But then again, Jaron Canick will start this fall. I, I, I don't yeah. think anybody seriously doubts that it's just you know this is the type of thing that happens in spring ball right people will talk up competitions that aren't really competitions and then no, that's not i to think say this that is there really is a competition, competition no. No, there is there there is legit competition there but inevitably in spring it's it's a tough thing to do kind of separating what's fact from what's fiction because mm -hmm. guys will get talked up every spring that are are just not going to play much of a role in the fall. And then no some guys get talked up in the spring and when fall, uh, once the fall season rolls around and uh, you got to play meaningful games on the gridiron, you see all of that hype validated. And so at this time of year, man, and this is what every fan needs to come to terms with is that this time of year, everybody looks good and everybody looks like a conference championship team, right? You're, you're rarely, if ever going to hear bad things coming out of spring practice. It's just about who are you hearing the most compelling things about who are, who are you seeing people's eyes light up about? Because you can sit there and give cursory praise to pretty much anybody, but you know, when somebody is really popping off on the practice field, it's not difficult to kind of catch on to the cues there. Perfect examples so far, like a few perfect examples are Mason Thomas, Josiah Wagoner, Jackson Arnold. Mm -hmm. And even PJ Adabari, he's been a big talk as well uh, on the edge. Uh, totally, totally going to play and be in the rotation at some point. It, 
uh, particularly early on in non-con I, and I think they're going to see exactly how, you know, he acclimates to the fire, you know what I mean? And the bullets starting flying at him a little bit. Uh, and I think they're going to do the same with Jackson Arnold a little bit and they've got to tame it back. I asked Brent Venables today specifically, I asked him, I said, man, you know, you went through that Trevor Lawrence, you know, Bryant situation at Clemson. You've been through that before. You went through some of those situations at Oklahoma with the Jason White, Nate Hibble, obviously the Rep Bomar, Paul Thompson, and uh, Sam Bradford. Um, trying to think of the uh, the wide receiver that ended up going to Nichols. Um, crap is his last name, Nichols. Um, can't remember his first name for some odd reason, but he ended up playing wide receiver at Michigan State and didn't end up being a quarterback the longer he was in college. But Keith there was a Nickel. lot. That's Keith Nichols, yeah, of. Keith Nichols is who I'm thinking of. Um, but he went through a lot of that stuff, and instead of saying, "Yeah, you know, you know, I learned a lot," he did say that. That's the exact wording he says. I learned a lot from those situations. And he named all the, the battles that I just named, but he stopped. And then he started talking up Jackson Arnold about how great he was. And he's been, and I was like, all you're doing is like throwing gasoline on the fire for the fans, (laughs) you know, with the five-star quarterback. And I thought that was just interesting. Like, and I, but it's something I also respect from Brent Venables because he doesn't, he doesn't, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't hold back and he doesn't fabricate or, and he doesn't just throw a rug over it and just kind of make it, you know, we're going to cover this up a little bit, you know, just how good he's been. He's going to be honest with you. He's going to tell you that that is a dude. If a guy is struggling, Brent Venables is going to tell you that guy's struggling. And I, I, I respect him for that. And I think that's what makes him so great with the media is that he enjoys talking to that and he enjoys being honest. And I think he uses the media as kind of like with Jaron Canick, like Kobe McKenzie is literally like he's as Ronnie Crimson said in the chat, he's redefined his body, like just redistributed a whole bunch of stuff. He looks like an NFL linebacker right now, just physically he's a freak, but you know, coaches use the media to get to players, right? Like they know the players read stuff. They use the battles, right? Like this spring battle, like you're not guaranteed the starting spot. Like, just like he used the Stutzman, like you, he didn't come in. I don't know how much he loved. He needs to stop being a funny guy, all that. What happened to Stutzman after that happened? You saw a completely different Danny Stutzman, but he used the media to portray his disdain for the situation that was at hand at that point, right? Like Saban does it, Dabo does it. Like good good coaches do that. I think that's something Riley never did, right? Like he just didn't, he just, he wanted everything behind a veil, right? Like you couldn't see anything. So I respect Venables because of that. Um, I think if you were going to guess, I know we're two weeks out of the spring game. Right. 
who do you think is going to shine the most in that spring game? Like, and, and like fans are going to walk away going, Holy crap. Is it a cop out if I say Jackson Arnold? Very much so because that's the easy, that's the easy pick. Okay. Okay. I, I figured as much. I figured as much. I, I should have prefaced him as saying, if you say Jackson Arnold, we're, we're cutting you out of this podcast. <laughs> All right, go oh, ahead. Man. See, there's, there's always a defensive player that shines in the spring game somewhat unexpectedly. Last year it was Marcus Stripling. The year before that, it was Jordan Mukes. This year, hmm, I'm going to say that this year, the guy that shines in the spring game is Key Lawrence. I think Key Lawrence from the safety position, that's a guy that's a good, that's that's a good pick, his, actually. Yeah. yeah. He's going to need a strong close to spring ball, and he's going to need a strong fall camp if he wants to carve out a role for himself in the back end of that secondary because Billy Bowman and Reggie Pearson are probably your odds-on favorites to start. And so right. from everything we've heard on Key Lawrence, right, he's come into this offseason motivated. Uh, he obviously left a lot on the table last year with his mm-hmm. performance or lack thereof in some instances. And so – I'm going to count on that carrying over to April 22nd, and I'm going to count on Key Lawrence having a big spring game. And then offensively, man, I I don't want to go back to the well and say Nick Anderson again. That that feels like I'm defaulting uh, to my answer for pretty much every single question I'm asked about breakout offensive performers. Obviously, there aren't a whole lot of people scrutinizing the offensive line. Uh, no, everybody so I will, loves it, yeah. Yeah, so I will say your standout spring game performer, especially with Javante Barnes' sideline, your standout offensive performer is Gavin Sawchuk. Count on him to have a big You took my offensive guy, so appreciate that. Mm, Apologies. Uh, Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, I'm actually going to go Kobe McKenzie as a spring game, standout defensively. Um, And, and, you know, there was a comment by Dominique J. Gomez about – you know what? Now, you know, Lawrence is going to get buried on the depth chart after that. We started all last year. Like, I don't like he started, I think, what, 60% of the games at least, right? Um, so, I mean, they played Broyles at the uh, Broyles and um, White were your cheetahs most of the year, right? Um, and then obviously Lawrence and Bowman were your safeties a lot of the time. So uh, I like the Lawrence pick because he's really coming along. The, I was told the addition of talent and the competition upgrade at that position and the depth woke him up quite a bit. Like there's no, which it needed to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no, he knows he's going to be on the field. Like that's not that, that guarantee is gone with Peyton Bowen, Pearson, and even Harmon and a lot of those guys and RSJ, obviously up until the point that his shoulder, you know, he couldn't do anymore. Like it was just hurting so much. Like he couldn't hurt it worse, but he had surgery. I talked to somebody like the, the funny thing is, is like we, we debated on putting that out there for like the last 48 hours and <laughs> just didn't do it. And Jesse walks up to me after the, the scrum Parker and he goes, yeah, we should have put that out there yesterday. After we, 
like, well, you know, we live and you learn. So, um, but yeah, the, and if you're on OU Insider, you kind of know the whole RSJ situation. We've been talking to people. We've been talking to you guys on OU Insider for quite a long time about his shoulder issue. Dates back to last season. I thought it could get better, and it got progressively worse. And originally, they thought it was going to hold him out all year, where he was going to potentially redshirt if he if he had surgery. But they went in, they looked at it, and it wasn't as bad as they first thought so now he's only going to be out for like the first game or two of the season they're hoping he's back the first month of the season and obviously if he progresses early earlier he could be back before the season like there's that potential but i don't know it's all up to the medical team and how his body reacts to everything but the the surgery went great uh from what i've been told uh it happened yesterday morning early and uh from that point on everything's been all about the rehab and kind of strengthening strengthening things and getting things back to where he needs to be so it was the back side of his labrum as well that was injured so um but parker uh i think offensively for me because i said kobe mckenzie dang offensively man that's tough you took gavin Solchuk. that's who i was gonna say I'm going to say Austin Stogner. He's not going to play a whole lot. I just can't envision him with with the as thin as they are at tight end right now. And they've got Hayden Bray, a defensive lineman, walk-on defensive lineman, literally playing tight end with him right now. Um, Blake Smith is back, but he's got a club on his hand. So he's limited in what he can do, obviously, right now. Uh, but I just can't foresee them doing anything like he won't be going Stogner will not be going with the twos. Like notoriously you would play with ones and twos in a spring game. That's not going to happen there with him. Like they're not going to risk him getting injured. So he'll play with the ones and then he'll sit out. But I think he's going to make plays because from what I've been told is Stogner brings a different element to the tight end. Something that Levy is like, just thrilled about the fact that he's a great route runner and his catch radius over the middle is huge. And he's a big body. He's not going to outrun people the way Braden Willis did, but he's going to make plays over the middle. And he's going to open which is at the end of the day, going to make the, the safety suck up, which over the top is going to be even more open in certain situations because of what Stogner can do. So he's a mismatch problem. Um, what about Michael Hawkins? Let's get into that. He is announcing this Saturday, right? Uh, you will be at that. We were both invited. I'm going to C4 tournament, and you're going to cover the commitment. So... It worked out for us really well in how that all laid out. Um, and I'm telling you, like, Parker will have an OU insider. will have way more in-depth stuff on this if he picks Oklahoma than anywhere else. So you'll want to be paying attention and be on the OU insider VIP for that. Uh, but what's your latest? What's the latest on that situation? Uh, have you heard any rumblings for – 
potential dominoes to fall if Hawkins does choose Oklahoma and how quickly could those dominoes fall behind him? It's, it just kind of feels like this is the end of the first waiting game. You know, the commitment has been not necessarily imminent, but people have been like, okay, like it's, everybody's kind of expected the commitment to come pretty quickly for, I would say the last three months or so uh, that everybody's kind of been waiting on Hawkins to pick between OU and yeah. at the time Arkansas and now TCU basically to pick between Jeff Levin, Kendall Browse. And so I think a, you get him on board. It's great because you get your quarterback, but B then I think that opens the door and kind of creates the conversation. Okay. Who else is coming along? Obviously we've talked about the fact that he and his younger brother Malik are going to play together. That's mm-hmm. a package deal. If Mike's a sooner, Malik's going to be a sooner too. And then obviously five-star 2025 tight end Devon Mitchell, who is expected to reclassify into the 2024 cycle and will more than likely be a top 100 player in 2024 and one of the top tight ends available. So I think that's where it starts. Uh, just to acknowledge that even if Malik just, even if he does kind of enjoy the process a little bit, he's going where Mike's going in the end. And then also the knowledge that, Devon Mitchell is expected to have his reclassification finalized within four to six weeks and is expected to start taking official visits pretty soon thereafter. Uh, Just knowing that uh, he's as close with Michael as he is, and he's very high on Oklahoma. I think all of that knowledge combined leads you to peg Mitchell as the sidecar, if you will, to the Hawkins train. Mm -hmm. And I I mentioned this over on the OU Insider VIP board uh, the other day, but Devon Mitchell's father, Marco, former University of Nevada star and NFL wide receiver, he was up at Oklahoma's practice on Monday afternoon. Devon wasn't. Devon's out at Los Alamitos High School in California. But Marco was taken into practice because the Hawkins family and the Mitchells are very close. Mike Sr. is very close with Marco. And as much as Michael has been trying to sell Devon, on coming with him, Mike Sr. has been going to bat on behalf of OU with Marco Mitchell. And so uh, the family is starting to get more familiar with everything that Norman has to offer. And Devon himself has been there four or five times at this point, typically with Michael. Those two generally will make that visit together. And so that's kind of where it starts after – Hawkins commits. You can look at guys certainly in that DFW area like Peyton Pierce and Eli Bowen and Jaden Hardy and figure that Hawkins' decision may accelerate the process somewhat for them. But getting Mike Hawkins at this point almost assuredly means you're getting Malik and you're getting Devon Mitchell too. So mm-hmm. that's an encouraging sign if you're an Oklahoma football fan. I, to me, it would be honestly, if you're a wide receiver, a tight end, or even a running back and offensive lineman, just and maybe just if you're just a a recruit in both of those you know 24 24 cycles 24 25 cycles in general even the defensive side of the ball Oklahoma has Jackson Arnold could have Michael Hawkins in 24 and then they already have Kevin Sperry Jr in 25 three really good quarterbacks like bam, bam, bam. 
if you're a wide receiver, tight end, running back, offensive lineman, that's got to be just – you got to look at that and go, I know we're going to be good offensively if I go to Oklahoma, right? Like, And even defensively, you have that confidence because you go somewhere with BB's background, right? Todd Bates, Jay Valai, Brandon Hall, um, Miguel Chavis, Ted Roof. Like those guys have a deep defensive background. And you know you're going to go somewhere and you can perform well and play for playoff conference titles and stuff like that because you know you're going to be good at the one position you have to be good at to go to that next level with who they have or could potentially have lined up uh, between 23, 24, and 25 when it's all said and done. That's To me, that's just what's insane. And if you're a wide receiver, a running back, like you would think it would make it easy, right? Like where's where's Caden, where's Caden Durham in all this if Michael Hawkins announced like, they're both from the DFW area. They're well, well, they're well aware of each other through track as well. Like they run track together or against each other. I mean, this isn't like something that is going to be surprising to a lot of people, I guess, if it happens. But once it does happen, Parker, it, it becomes real. And with kids, that's kind of what you have to see. The more real it is, the more likely they're going to jump on board behind said player. I mean, that's you saw that with Caleb Williams. You saw that obviously with Jackson Arnold. He jumped in, and then three months later, that class went from mediocre to just stellar, right? Like it was unbelievable, particularly after he won the Elite 11 MVP. Did it really start to take off? So I, I think that. This has a lot to this where he chooses, and we both think it's going to be Oklahoma. Could be huge for what happens three months from now, right? Like when commits start to roll in, and could be the difference between ten to top ten to fifteen class and a top three to ten class. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I do agree, and I think. The other effect that it will have, you get Michael Hawkins on board naturally. One of the relationships that matters most on the recruiting trail and on the football field is the relationship between the quarterback and his receivers, right? Yep. And um, in talking with a few sources today, I mentioned it last week on the OU Insider VIP board, the reality that if Isaiah McMorris waits even a couple weeks to commit, he might not have a spot at Oklahoma. Yeah, no, that's legit. Yes, it is. That's legit. That's real. And... <laughs> Oklahoma is sitting very pretty right now as it pertains to the wide receiver position in the class of 2024. Mm -hmm. And it might not be long before you start to see some of what's going on behind closed doors come to light publicly. And when it does, big time. Yep. One of those players that could be in line, maybe Oklahoma is a little bit of a long shot here, but this unofficial visit this week could change that is five-star linebacker, Sammy Brown, who I went out to Georgia and saw, uh, talked to him and his coach, Travis Nolan for about an hour and a half, a couple weeks ago. Uh, obviously Sammy, 
texted me. We have a note up on OU Insider VIP. Uh, he texted me last night, said, look, I'll be arriving at Oklahoma City around 9 a.m. is when I land. And then around 1030, we're supposed to go straight to OU. We're going to go through the meetings with them. We're going to go watch practice. Then we're going to go through the work, watch them do the workouts the next day. Uh, and then go through meetings and hang out with the Venables and the staff and stuff before leaving the day, the next day. So, uh, and we'll have a, we'll have an update on how the visit went and all that type of stuff, uh, after he leaves. Uh, so we're set to talk to him, but that's a big deal. Like Clemson is obviously the leader there. And it's like, like, that's not shocking that I said that, like if anybody's been following the Sammy Brown situation, or even if they're on OU Insider VIP, they should know that his uncle is the cheer coach at Clemson. And everybody that he knows and is related to him all went to like Furman, right? They either went to Furman or they went to Clemson. So there's a deep, uh, I guess, connection to that university. And then the relationship they have with Dabo Sweeney and that staff, uh, goes back to when his dad obviously is a coach, so he's known him uh, when they've come to recruit players that he's coached. And then obviously Sammy Brown went to camp there quite a bit as a kid. Uh, and during that time, the staff that's at Oklahoma defensively is now was there actually at Clemson. So they got to know his dad. They got to know Sammy Brown really well. Venables has been really, really tight. Uh, with them in that situation and Ted roof and their relationship dates back a long time before that, because he recruited his father when Ted roof was at Duke. So this relationship runs deep. It's why Oklahoma's in it. It's why Oklahoma's potentially going to get the last official visit in June for Sammy Brown. So the next four, the next 36 hours with Sammy Brown on campus in Norman is huge. He's already been there almost all of today. Uh, and you know, I, I haven't, I haven't dug on how the visit's going because you're just going to get, it's going great. Like those are the answers you'll get right now. But, uh, following the visit, we'll get more in depth of what, what they liked, what they didn't like, why they feel like they can return. And if they have the exact date set up that they're going to take the official, cause right now it's the last weekend in June. Uh, and if Oklahoma can get that and potentially get, you know, that last swing in there and uh, have kind of the recency bias in there, you never know what can happen. Having said that, people in Norman that I talked to, Parker, still feel Clemson is like going to be so hard to beat for him. Like that is just like the general consensus. It they feel like they're battling Clemson. They don't feel like they, they know Georgia is going to be a player because of the defending national champs. And he's Jefferson, Georgia is 18 minutes from Athens. They understand that location, 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 but the Browns are very much a relationship driven family. And the two relationships that they have the best with is Clemson and Oklahoma. And that's why people kind of think that's a battle there. Like that is a battle there. Uh, Clemson obviously has a huge lead right now. We'll see how much that lead maybe got chopped into a little bit 
after this official unofficial visit this weekend and go from there and have an update on OU Insider. Um, <laughs> Somebody in the super chat said, let's talk about kids OU has a chance with. I, look, OU's got a shot at Sammy. They've got a shot. There's a difference yeah. between having a chance and being the favorite. No, OU is not the favorite right now. And again, you visit anywhere eight times, odds are you're going to that school. So you hold a gun to my head, ask me where Sammy Brown's going, I'll say Clemson. But yeah. if there's a school that will spoil the party for Clemson, and it looks right now to be Oklahoma. But, yeah, well, I mean, um, let, let's let's go back to 2023, Parker. Um, nobody thought Oklahoma had a chance with Colton Vasek, uh, and he committed to Oklahoma, <laughs> shockingly, at that point. Uh, and had Oklahoma not been as bad as they were last year, who's to say if he would have signed with Oklahoma, honestly, like that had a lot to do with it. Like it had so much to do with it. Um, and Peyton Bowen, like we kept saying he was going to Oklahoma, right? But nationally the consensus was he was going to stick with Notre Dame. Well, I mean, like, I understand, like, yeah, whatever. We knew more because we were around it all the time. But still, like, you never know. Like, I'm trying to think of somebody. Derek LeBlanc, Florida was viewed the leader forever. We kept saying Oklahoma had a chance. We kept telling everybody that, right? He goes to Oklahoma because of relationships. So, to to throw it out and say there's zero chance that Oklahoma gets him is just naive. Like it's a super long shot at this point, but you never know what's going to happen on these unofficial visits and Oklahoma getting the last at bat with the official visit can completely change the game. It really can. That's what those official, that's why Oklahoma always wants the last official with everybody and they get it majority of the time. And that's why they ended up with such a great class last year. Cause they got the last visit with a lot of the kids and it was strategic. Um, let's talk about, uh, people are asking about Williams Winery. You're going to go up there and see him. Uh, yeah, I will be in Kansas city next weekend. Yep. So, uh, this weekend is Easter. I'll be home next weekend. I will be in Kansas city. There will be a lot happening in Kansas city that weekend with the UC report camp. Uh, taking place. Uh, another guy that I'm very excited to touch base with again uh, that has really started to blow up nationally and that OU was early to the table and offering would be the pride of Junction City, Kansas, Michael Boganowski. Yes. So that's, and he's, he picked up offers from Oregon State and Stanford today, got Florida State earlier this week, Michigan and Washington offered last month. So that's a guy whose stock has really started to rise. I believe Oklahoma is maybe the fifth or sixth school total, not mm -hmm. fifth or sixth power five, fifth or sixth total school to offer Michael Boganowski back before he ever had a ranking, back before he ever had stars. So he should be uh, in and, town and, for the spring. And, and the consensus on that kid, man, is that he's. I, if you want to talk about a guy that could be the Sammy Omasigo of this class and that he just continues to move up and up and up and up as the national folks see more of him and as he continues to put more on tape, both in the offseason and once his senior year rolls around this fall, 
Michael Boganowski is the Sammy Omasigo in this class. That's what he'll be. I don't know if he rises as high as Omasigo because Sammy did end up the number four linebacker and number 69 overall player in what the about country Robert in the class of 23. But Jennings. Yeah, it's another. that's another great comparison, yeah. right? Robert Spears Jennings. Same position too. Was to the twenty twenty two class what um he was the twenty two twenty two class what Samuel Masigo was to twenty twenty three and what I think Michael Boganowski will be the twenty twenty four class. Guy that yeah, he's a mid tier three star guy right now, but he's gonna rise. And mm-hmm. it might not be it might not be snap your finger, boom, he's a top one hundred player like PJ Atabare. Because, you know, PJ's just got some physical tools that are rare. And so once people saw those, they're like, okay, we can't help but move this guy up. But with Boganowski, you know, he doesn't have quite the same uh, ridiculous measurables of a kid like PJ, but he's just such a good football player, such a versatile football player. And there's so much left that he can – there's so much left for him as far as development, much like there was for Sammy that I think as he kind of starts to hone in on what his position is going to be at the next level, that's only going to help him out as well. So I, I do expect Michael Boganowski to be a mid to high tier four-star recruit by the end of this class. Yeah. So I talked to a couple of people about Boganowski in Oklahoma. Uh, his dad really likes coach Hall, coach Venables yep. has been on the phone with them quite a bit over the last week expected to be down for the spring game um so it'll be interesting because of Jaden Hardy being there and there is a strong momentum right now that he could be done somewhat the first couple weeks of May potentially with his recruitment uh, there's a strong push there, even from people around Louisville and all that. Like there, Oklahoma, everybody kind of feels that's kind of the best spot for him. We'll see if that's how it ends up playing out. Uh, I think similarly with Michael Boganowski is the same thing. Like I think that is how people feel is like Oklahoma is probably your best bet. Uh, yeah, as far as fit and all that, because of his size, he could play cheetah. He could play a variety of positions for him. So, um, yeah, Oklahoma's sitting really good. Brandon Hall, once again, putting in work on the recruiting trail and could end up with two really high-ranked players uh, following up with what he did last year. is uh, pretty impressive. Um, let's see here. Uh, somebody was, I was reading through the chat here earlier. And, oh, uh, people are not interested in Dylan Gabriel Parker. Shocking. Uh, I, I, I'm, we put up this fight, it feels like, almost every live, almost every podcast. We don't understand the hate for a guy that, how many touchdowns did he throw last year? And he missed two games. Yeah. I mean, I mean and how I many just, yards did he throw? In general. I don't understand any hate for a football player who is both good at football and a phenomenal human being off the field. Right. Like it's why, it's why I will always go to bat for Dylan Gabriel and Ethan Downs, because there seems to be a segment of the fan base that has out for both of those guys. And I just don't get it because 
could are they above reproach on the football field? No, but are they dang good and better than that average or even typical above average option at that position? Absolutely. And moreover, (laughs) if you actually guys and got the chance to spend time around them and just experience what type of people they are off the football field too, I think the, the respect that the public seems to lack for, well, I shouldn't say that the public, that a certain contingent of the public seems to lack for guys like Dylan Gabriel and Ethan Downs, a lot of that would evaporate. We had a comment from a Sooner fan that said, it's because you're not looking from the outside. Well, I mean, that would mean that we're on the inside of it, like I guess a little bit more informed on what's going on behind the scenes and what what's expected of him and all that type of stuff. So I guess I see your point. Um, fans generally just, they go off emotion. So yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fair statement, I guess. Um, I guess before we end this live, um, if anybody has questions for us, uh, get them in now and Parker and I will answer them. Uh, and I don't know where Mongo is, but we have to remember to shout out Ricardo LeBlanc. Yeah, that's true. Mongo's not there. He usually drops a lot of uh, Super Chat stuff. So, yeah, shout out to Le- Ricardo LeBlanc, of course. Of course. Uh, here's, here's a good question for you. Who are the next three commits for 2024? We'll see if we have the same ones. Okay. Next three. Well, okay. Well, one of them we will we will share at the very least. <laughs> the next the next commit Oklahoma's getting humble and imperfect opinion is going to be this Saturday in Michael Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're both in agree. So next two beyond Hawkins. I will say – give me a second to noodle on this. You go first. I don't want to steal yours. I mean, I'll go Michael Hawkins, Jaden Hardy, and then hmm. – that's tough. Yeah, uh, I'll go Xavier Robinson. Okay. I will take Hawkins. I will take Isaiah McMorris. So, yeah, and... I don't know if he, I'm still not – you know better than me on that one because I, I haven't talked to him whether he's going to go that quickly. So I think he will. Mm-hmm. I think he will. Uh, so I'll go Hawkins and Isaiah McMorris, and then I will say shot in the dark, throwing a dart. Casey Post shuts it down the spring game and commits to Oklahoma. Ooh. Okay, let's 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 go. Let's give them one more little treat out there. Who is who is who would be the fourth? The fourth? If I had to pick a fourth, I'd say Jaden Hardy. Okay. I I my fourth. 
I'll say Caden Durham. Okay. Caden Durham like and and or how about this? Caden Durham and or Zadavian Sims. No, I think he I, I think he's gonna take official visits. Actually, I know he is, but he's gonna be a sooner. I'm calling it. I I've almost put in a crystal ball like several times, but I'm gonna yeah. wait a little bit. Well, I just that I feel strongly that there's gonna be somebody that pops at the spring game because that type of environment that can convince a kid to shut it down even when they weren't yeah, previously Hardy. planning on it. Well, and it just happens. Well, and I, it seems I shouldn't, I shouldn't take this for granted a thousand percent, but it sure seems like that happens. I'll put it that way with a kid who's committing tomorrow uh, in four star offensive lineman Andrew Sprague, whom the Sooners were recruiting briefly, but that has visited Michigan multiple times, was just up mm-hmm. for their spring game, and now decided to shut his recruitment down in advance of what would have been an unofficial visit to USC, which was one of his dream schools. Uh, that was supposed to happen Michigan, this weekend instead. Sharon Moore, man, he has got it cooking up there. He has got it really cooking on the recruiting trail. They lead for like five or six different offensive tackles. Yeah, and the quarterback they just landed isn't half too shabby either. So uh, I'm, I remember watching him at OU's. You remember that? A couple of years ago, he was at OU's camp. Um, yeah. Yeah. He and Walker White both. Yep. And they were good too. Yeah. I remember Riley spent a good bit of time with both of those guys. Just like hovered around them pretty good. Um all right. Uh I think that's gonna do it, man. We've covered the gambit for everybody in this first YouTube live slash podcast. Now here's the thing is and I want everybody to understand this is we are going to follow this up. We're going to record another podcast on Monday. Hopefully have it up Monday night or Tuesday morning. And during spring, that is going to be our how we're going to do things from here on out. So it's going to be a YouTube live slash podcast. So you'll get both. Whether you miss the YouTube live, you can still watch it on YouTube or listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play whatever um and then we're gonna follow it up with a recording on monday or tuesday of the following week and have another podcast up for you guys to kind of you know keep your palates wet a little bit with information during spring after spring's over we're gonna just put the youtube lives up as podcasts and that will be our weekly podcast Except, except for if something big happens or if there's a big recruiting event or if there's a big commitment or a coaching change or something like that, we're going to start dabbling in uh, podcasts that are emergency-esque. So you're going to have a lot more information coming from OU Insider. Uh, You guys, hopefully you enjoy it. And... Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider YouTube Live. If you're not a subscriber to this YouTube channel, do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Uh, but for Parker Thune, for Spencer Forsythe, 
My name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed night.